0: Welcome to episode 127 of Telepractice Today with Kim Dutro-Allen and Dr. Todd Houston.
1: Okay, welcome back to another episode. Um, I wanted to share my I'll call it resource on repeat. I kind of like that alliteration. (laughs) So my resource that's been on repeat this week has been a YouTube video. That I will go ahead and link, but in general, um, it's called it's story elements. So it kind of brief- briefly goes through like character, setting, and plot, and it uses um Powtoons, which is something that I really want to figure out how to use and make my own videos. Uh, but so it's just little cartoons that um can explain a re uh activity or explain a concept to kids. I like to use things like that. There's another one that I use a lot that's... Um context clues and it was created someone created it with pow too so but i like to use that to give it does a lot of things for me it gives me a break from being the only person talking and i feel like sometimes it gives more credibility to things that it's like not like oh that's just miss kim saying that i'm like no there's other people that also say that these are helpful things or these are the parts of a story and things like that and i just think that it kind of breaks up your session and gives kids a variety of things to pay attention to and And I like that it gives me a chance to teach instead of test, too. Sometimes I forget to do that when I'm, you know, focused on taking data. So look around on youtube i sometimes there's uh sites that are specifically for like an slp created it or um you know it's linked as a a resource for that a teacher created and things like that but i think that we all have you know our professional judgment that we can decide whether it's a video that will be helpful for our kids or not and don't be afraid of youtube in sessions in general and that one. story elements is a really good one
0: i yeah i agree more and more amusing I'm, I'm turning to youtube to find stuff
2: mm-hmm. and
0: and people you have to be careful of what's posted and and sift through some things from time to time but there's just a ton of videos and we know right. the kids love watching videos yep. you know yep. the younger kids so yeah. they- and
1: my my older ones, too, I figured sure. out um, there's a lot of like English second language videos that right. explain things in a really good way. Like I have one that's on prefixes and suffixes mm-hmm. and gives them a chance to practice it, too. So, yeah, I like those.
0: And there is some free software. It's called um, YouTube Downloader. You can download the videos. Just saying. If you wanted to download them and save them on your computer.
1: Oh, that would work too. Sometimes I have like one of those things where I have like a million tabs open because I don't want to mm-hmm. lose that video. So I just right. leave the tab open.
0: There's a couple of uh, really great um, software that's available out there. Uh, and I, I've used a lot uh, for teaching and, and some other things up done because I didn't know if they would disappear at some point off, off of YouTube or. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the link wouldn't work or something. Yeah. Yeah. So I just end up downloading them if I can.
1: Yeah. And with these tips, I want to give us a little plug. Mm -hmm. If some people are wanting to see some of these tips in person and Mm -hmm. how they work in person, come find us at ASHA. We will be there.
0: (laughs) That's right. We're going to be there in, in like real life
1: in real life <laughs> yep and it's coming up soon so look through your yes. programs and find me and todd there and we're going to be presenting about telepractice and sharing a lot of these tips
0: and no heckling yes so, please so don't <laughs> no heckling i will throw things back at you if you <laughs> and so i'm i'm coming locked and loaded for any heckler <laughs> no but yes, it's coming up soon. There's um, some great presentations on telepractice this year. Yeah. Um, Kim and I had an opportunity to be on the the topic area committee for telepractice and, and looked at those proposals. And the committee did great work of uh, selecting uh, some really, really great presentations. So yeah. I hope. Everyone comes and and really tries to, to go see some of the telepractice presentations. They're really good stuff. And on today's show, we have Kristen Bowers of Kiwi Speech. She has lots of tips and strategies that she wants to share. And some of you probably have heard of her and seen some of her posts from time to time. And she has great blogs on her website. So I'm excited to talk to Kristen. So, Kristen, welcome to the podcast. Uh, can you share more about your background?
2: Yeah, so I am obviously a speech pathologist. Um, most of you know the the meat of what I've been doing since I've graduated, I um, was a school-based SLP here in Pittsburgh. Um, and I actually worked, we served a lot of the non-public schools in the area. So that was kind of the best of both worlds. Um, you know, we got to do all of the clinical expertise stuff with a little bit less of the paperwork demand. So I absolutely Mm -hmm. love that. And um, that's what I've been doing full time for, um, gosh, like over 10 years. Um, And this is the first year I am not doing that. So I've resigned from that. And um, currently I'm leaning a little bit more heavily on telepractice and teletherapy. So I have my own small private practice, Kiwi Speech, and I see kids, I have a few in-home kids, but the majority of them are all online. Um, articulation, uh, some younger kids, definitely a lot of older kids. Um, and then every now and then I pick up a few contracts, seeing kind of high school and um, middle school age kids here in Pennsylvania that attend virtual school. So i got my hands on a little bit of everything.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. And you were uh, mentioning before that your family came from New Zealand. Yeah, my parents settled.
2: are both New Zealanders, yeah. and I lived there as a kid. Um, so I was like, I was eight with an accent and working really, <laughs> really hard to learn the American way of, of saying things. So I'm sure that's where my uh, love of linguistics and speech pathology came.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, I love I love the um, New Zealand president. The, uh, Get her name oh out. yeah, <laughs> yeah. She's, she's quite she's quite the force of nature she's she is apparently she is, doing a lot of good for things
1: sure. we i know someone in utah who's related to her so Oops. yeah, yeah.
0: Small world. <laughs> that is a small i word.
1: know i know
0: I think you will probably know the family that you've already. Yep. Referring
1: to. <laughs> um, <coughs> this, we know the same family. Yeah. Yep. They're, they're a great family. And I, I uh, agree. I love seeing, you know, women leading countries and the decisions mm-hmm. they make, and it's awesome to see. So yeah,
0: I agree. Very much. So
1: yeah. So other than the figuring out how to speak American English, what led you to the field of speech language pathology?
2: you know i actually took a pretty roundabout way to get there i um when i graduated high school i really didn't know for sure what i wanted to do but i was pretty convinced i did not want to go into college undecided i just had this like fear that i would get lost in the shuffle and so i decided i was going to pick a major um and i had originally applied to all these schools for engineering um and or international business i was like between the two and then i was like okay i'm going to do engineering and i got this Work study job in high school, and I hated it. So I had to like write letters out to all these universities and be like, Scratch that! I do not want to be an engineer. No. So um, I picked business as my major, mm. and I was just really strategic about what classes I took because I knew I may not kind of stay there forever. So I made sure my classes were sort of gen ed friendly. Um, but one of the classes we had to take was uh, like a physics class, and I picked the science of musical sound, which Hmm. I think SLPs will kind of recognize as it was basically Mm -hmm. acoustics. You know, it was a whole class in acoustics. And not surprisingly, 90% of the people in that class were audiology, speech pathology undergrads. Mm -hmm. And I this was my sophomore year, I think. I was in that class for about two days before I changed my major. And I like I knew I had finally found exactly what I, I wanted. So it was just being in that class and um, yeah, like getting all that acoustic science stuff that I was really into, and I changed my major and never looked back.
0: That's awesome. We we have a similar course here at Akron. Um, I forget the name of it, but it's it's basically an acoustics class that uh, students take for their physical science. Yep, exactly. Um, exactly. They, they don't want to do
2: random one for me to take, but of course, all the SLPs are taking it. So
0: right, right, and that's where they end up going. So we send a lot of students in that class uh, to that class. Yeah. So uh, you practice in the schools, uh, primarily, uh, once you had your degree, and then you started working in telepractice. Did you do any telepractice while you were still working in the schools?
2: I did. So yeah, when I first started working in the schools, um, it was just, you know, regular school based stuff. Um, And I, I started my private practice a few years into that, and I would just see a few kids mostly in the summer. Um, and then a few in the evenings, I'd have like two mm. or three kids, maybe five at the most in the summer. Um, so I've had Kiwi Speech as a as a practice probably for I don't know, seven older than my daughter, probably like nine years now. Um, and then yes, kind of when COVID hit in 2020, we did uh, shift to exclusively teletherapy. Um, so again, I was working in lots of different schools, and they were all non-public schools, so they all got kind of got to choose how they wanted wanted services. But most of them, I think were so overwhelmed with everything else that was going on that they that was just kind of what they picked. they thought it would be the simplest. So um, I was doing teletherapy in the schools for a while um, which for me was a pretty easy transition. Um, mm-hmm. and and then once again, once my private practice, I you know obviously pulled all of them to teletherapy and a lot of them just never we just never went back to in person. Um, and then I think there was a time where we could have, and then it got worse to mm-hmm. get like, you know, so um, most of my now, I just encourage to st- to stay on teletherapy. Um, my availability, as you might imagine, I can fit more students in. Right. So I'm kind of at a point now where I you know I may have an afternoon slot, but only for teletherapy because it's right behind another slot. So um, most of my mm-hmm. families do end up just picking teletherapy. Um, I just have so many so few after school spots for in in person.
0: And uh, one thing that you're you're known for, uh, this great reputation of of having uh, sort of tricks of the trade that you share from time to time. Um, could you talk about some of the things you've discovered uh, in your practice in terms of telepractice uh, yeah. tricks or, or working from home or whatever, whatever the case <laughs> may be, whatever you want to do?
2: Yeah, well, working from home. I think anyone, whether it's telepractors or anything else, it's like a huge adjustment. Um, I, I think I'm not necessarily the most, um, I don't necessarily have like the best attention and, and ability to, like keep myself on track. I'm really good at finding systems to help me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, I read a ton about psychology and productivity. So one of my favorite books is um, by Daniel Pink, and it's called mm-hmm. When. Um, mm-hmm. And the principle of the book is that we you know, we often ask the who and the what and the why of things that don't focus as much on the when. And the big takeaway from that book is that you are so much better at certain times a day at mm-hmm. doing certain kinds of tasks. So the large majority of people really ha- do their best brain power work kind of in the morning. And then I, and I'm sure most people are not mm-hmm. surprised by this, you know, after lunch, you hit that slump, but it's, it's a real thing. You know, it's not just like a food. it's not just you've got food in your belly. It's a real Thing And so one of the biggest kind of takeaways I got from that book was arranging my schedule to take advantage of kind of like my lulls in my eyes. So I mm-hmm. try not to schedule kids in the morning because that is when i am best, you know, able to work on my business, that's when i'm best able to do kind of the harder stuff, but then i schedule myself the things i have to show up for, like the meetings and the session in the afternoon where i maybe, you know, i'm so obviously able to do a good job at that, but it's not the same sort of analytical mm-hmm. need from from me that that i have in the morning. So that was one of my biggest takeaways was even when I worked in the schools, not scheduling IEP meetings at 9 a.m. I mean, that is your best work time. And, you know, if you need to write a report. I mean, that's the best time to write the report, not meet with a whole bunch of other people um, and just kind of like being aware of when you do your best work and not fighting it. <laughs> right. That's right. right.
1: And I, I I, personally think my internal clock is broken. <laughs> so <laughs> Because, like, everything you said, I was like, I feel like I'm the opposite. In the morning, I'm like, the world is ending, and I hate my life, and I hate my job. <laughs> Every morning, like, I will look and, like, send texts to my husband that I'm like, I'm quitting my job. And it's because it's before 12 p.m.
0: <laughs> okay, the
2: the they do they do say that there are people who have a different, uh, you know, there's there's like mm-hmm. three. I think there's three main things. You know, he said 80% of people kind of follow right. this, like, right. normal thing. But there are... um there are true night owls that get their big burst later, you know, later at night. Um, So yeah, I mean, I used to really force myself to kind of take a task from beginning to end, whether that was writing a report or lesson planning. And then I just kind of learned it's almost better for me to do half of that task in the morning and then do an an afternoon task in the afternoon. And Mm -hmm. I'd be twice as productive if I was doing that, you know.
1: I like that. But that being aware of when you work best and having that fit your schedule, which I think is also something that we can do with telepractice and we can do with private practice. We don't have always somebody else dictating like this is when you have to work and this is when you have to see students.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Right. Like if you've got the caseload forward, I mean, for me, I would be much better, you know, filling my caseload from, from 12 to six with clients yeah. and then being able to work on whatever things, you know, that move the business forward or that I have to do in the, in the morning. Um, and that would be my other tip is keeping things together rather than having, and I mean, I'm sure everyone feels that way. I mean, there's nothing worse than kind of having these 30 minute breaks because it's just not long enough to dive into anything that right. that you need to do. And um that would be my other tip is when I do schedule clients, I try to have like, one really long day. So right now my Mondays are brutal, but <laughs> I don't have the smattering of, of kids throughout every other day that I have to arrange my schedule around or it doesn't interrupt my flow if I'm working mm-hmm. on something else. And that to me has been a really big thing is sort of designating days this is, you know, all teletherapy kids this day. Or right. if I have in-home kids, I try to make sure they're all on the same day. And that just helps me stay focused and and know what I'm going to do when I get up in the morning, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm.
1: And if you're seeing people in their house too, it's not making it so you're running to a client and then running home and hopping on the computer and running back up to Exactly. One. Exactly. Yeah. So with that, any tips for like Setting those boundaries with other people, or what you do to like make yourself not be like, oh well, this client really needs to be seen this time, and I guess I could make it work, kind of that thing.
2: Yeah, right. That's oh, that's. I mean, <laughs> do I have <laughs> tips for that? No, don't do what I no. do. Um, okay. Okay. <laughs> that's okay. I don't know. Bad. I think my best tip is to have an ally. So, for example, it, you know, I have so few after school hours. And one of the reasons I resigned from my school job is so I could spend more time with my kids. I have a 5 and an 8-year-old, you know. And right. so it is it's so tempting because of course everyone wants after school hours. So it's pretty much like I either take them or I don't see them. There's not a ton of options. Yeah. But having an ally, so for me that's my husband where I can say, "Hey, I have someone who's asking for this time like what do you think?" Someone who knows like what my motivation is and in kind of bounce that idea off of you know maybe you can say well I could switch my schedule so actually you could see them a smidge earlier that way it doesn't really get in the way of dinner or he could say no remember why you did this to begin with so I think really having someone that you can rely on to keep you in check and right. <laughs> remind remind yourself um you I know like that yeah. I like
1: that and sometimes you have to like you said, it's your husband, but when you're in, you know, a private practice and you don't have co-workers, you do have to ha- sometimes find that person. And maybe it is another SLP that you're like, okay, hey, you're my person that helps me think through things and and decide whether this is the right way to do it or not. But I like that. Yeah, idea. exactly.
2: Sometimes you just need a reminder like of your own original motivation. Right.
1: right, exactly, exactly. I like that. So in your creative time that you're using in the morning, you have created some resources. Um, tell us about those and tell us about the hashtag
2: SLP big kids, especially. Yeah. So I, honestly, it's like, I mean, if I had a week with nothing to do, I would just create resources. It is, I mean, I just, I, it's, it's like, it's truly what fills my cup. I really enjoy doing that part of it. Um, So yeah, I mean, I create resources for speech pathologists, a combination of kind of in-person print resources and digital ones. And I have a lot, I focus a lot on resources for older students because I just found that consistently I could never find a resource that targeted that goal that was either appropriate kind of academically for that age group, or even, you know, even if they were functioning at like a slightly lower level, it just, it didn't look appropriate. They knew I was using a second grade resource for them. So there was just always a big gap in that. And you approach so many skills differently for older kids. So uh, a lot of my resources definitely have older students in mind. Um, and then, yeah, I've teamed up. There's two other SL- There are two other SLPs, uh, Stacy Krause and Claudia from Creative Speech Lab. And they both do a lot of stuff for older kids, too. So we've kind of just collaborated together and we have a an account on Instagram, as well as a hashtag, which is SLP big kids. And, um, we sort of try to share, we just sort of collaborate on. So if we're each sharing something separately. We try to make sure it also goes to that place. Um, we also have like a big freebie now um, it ends. So it's a calendar that sort of walks everyone through uh, an articulation and a language resource for each week from September all the way to the end of November. And it's a freebie that kind of gives them part of each of those things. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it, again, it was just a way to kind of share ideas and resources for people working with Bigger kids in speech, because mm-hmm. like, it's hard. And there's just so much less support for that age group than there is for like the youngers.
1: Yeah, for sure. I feel like there's, you could pick about anything. <laughs> go out, you in like five seconds, you could find something on Teachers Pay Teachers or Boom Cards for those younger kids. It takes a lot more sifting through for those older kids.
2: It does. And I always feel like the needs are more specific. You know, it's like, I can take a WH question resource for a second grader and, and make it into anything that it needs to be to work on that child's goals, right? Like that's part of my expertise as a speech pathologist, right? Like I can make something out of nothing, but like in the older grades, their needs just become so much more specific in a way, you know, I feel like there's a certain way I want to approach something. And so it's, you can't just take a resource as easily, at least in my opinion, and and morph it into what it needs to be. I mm-hmm. um there's so much more teaching at that age, you know, um yeah got a lot of like direct directly teaching right. concepts and, and right. that kind of stuff. So it's a totally different approach.
1: Yeah, yeah. You can't just play and model. Right, <laughs> <doesn't> right, exactly. <laughs> so tell us about like maybe a favorite or a couple favorite resources that you've created with that.
2: Um yeah, so I'm I'm a big like puzzle and and brain teaser kind of course I love logic problems and stuff like that, um, and that honestly might be my favorite resource in my store. So I have articulation logic problems, and if you're not familiar with them, they're sort of there's usually a grid that you use to mark down answers, yeah. and then you get these clues like, you know, Jonah ate ice cream but did not go to the park or whatever. And your job is to figure out kind of who ate what and where, where they went. Um, and you can use all this deductive reasoning. Anyway, I loved Mm -hmm. those puzzles as a kid. I still love them now. And I made a whole set of them that are sound loaded. So, you know, the, they might all, you know, all the names of the kids start with R and they're all going to one street that starts with R or whatever, but it's such an awesome way to have older kids practice those sounds. Cause I usually have them read the story and then they sort of read the clues out loud. And every time they figure something out, they have to tell me Then at the end they review it. And so they're getting tons of repetitions in a pretty natural way, right. but it's not that same drill. And they're, exactly. they're really, and it's something new and something challenging. So.
1: That's what I just used, um Stacy Krause has something kind of similar to where it's like word puzzles. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Use that today. They're so fun. So it'll be yes. like the word trout and it's like we're it in like it's a rainbow. So then like the answer for that clue is rainbow trout. Yeah. So and I love it too for the older kids. It just gives them a nice break from something that's like, here's a flashcard and I need you to say <laughs> this word this number I of times.
2: Totally agree. <laughs> um rebus puzzles. That's what I was like, I couldn't remember what they're called, but yes. Yeah. Um, no, I totally agree. And I mean, honestly, especially for articulation, I mean, my my take on it is, you know, if I've got a kid in middle school or high school who's still working on articulation, it's not usually because they can't say the sound in isolation or words. It's usually right. this difficulty with the carryover, with the self-monitoring and yeah. all that. And so it's like... We've done drill. Like if drill was going to work, it would have worked two years ago. Right. So to Mm -hmm. me. They they
1: still need that high repetition, though. Yeah. and, And lots of chances to say the sound.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Right. Like, yeah, absolutely. The principles of motor learning still absolutely apply. But to me, you really have to incorporate kind of that distraction Right. Where they're not only thinking about their sound, right. where they're thinking about something else, ideally something interesting and that because that's life, right? Like they're, you know, they don't, as soon as they leave your room, they're distracted. So being able to incorporate that challenge of, of, yeah, distraction or something a little bit mm-hmm. above or like right at their actual level, not drill, I think has always been really helpful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So what do you feel like in general makes a good resource um, for telepractice? What do you look for when you're looking for resources that are going to work well on telepractice?
2: Yeah. um, Very, I mean, it, it varies on the scale. I do really like boom cards for their simplicity and I like how they're all saved kind of in the same spot, but I obviously, they're a little bit more limited and I find sometimes like there's one skill, like one task that's done over and over. So I love to find ones that, you know, like you're not checking like a yes, no, or something like that, that have a little bit more of an interactive feature. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
2: I I love to be able to take a resource and either make it go through in 10 minutes or expand it over a few sessions, right? So those mm-hmm. to me are the best ones that I can stay on one card for a ton of time that I can can kind of break each little thing down, whether it's articulation or language. Um, I have like secret code word puzzles on boom cards in my Mm -hmm. store um, that are targeted for articulation. But I use them all the time for language. Like we pull, you know, because they're seasonal. So if it's Halloween, I might pull up the Halloween R puzzles, but we'll talk about, is it a noun, a verb, or an adjective? And then we'll create some sentences with it. If it's a multiple meaning, we'll create another sentence. So things that have the flexibility like that are always my favorite because nobody has time to buy (laughs) like one, you know, one thing for every single little skill, especially with older kids. Yeah. Yeah. I like those
0: those ideas those are awesome and so all of these are available on your website and teachers pay teachers
2: yeah just on te- just on teachers pay teachers right now so yes i do i have kibispeech.com so on there you'll find um blog posts i've got some blog posts about productivity going in a little mm-hmm. bit more than what we talked about earlier tons of blog posts on um working with older students or gifted students um, and the SLP Big Kids, actually, if you want that freebie, that's kiwispeech.com slash SLP Big Kids. Um, but then all the products themselves are available in my
0: store on Teachers Pay Teachers. yeah. Awesome. Right. <clears throat> well, Kristen, we didn't tell you about this next part. <laughs>
2: there's always
1: something <laughs> he, he likes to spring it on people
2: <laughs> oh my gosh. you should know this about me I'm like a horrible on the spot person <laughs> that's okay
1: that's okay
0: that's I have good, to say that actually. while he's getting
1: this getting this ready I don't know if you listened but I did share one of your tips the a couple weeks ago and it's kind sure of been did. life-changing for me <laughs> it mm-hmm. was the only take data on the first 10
2: yes oh my gosh Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't that's my big soapbox <laughs> I've yes. presented yep. at conferences about this I have like gone to school districts about this I just want to like shout it from the rooftops right. but we do not like just because we want a hundred trials does not need mean we need a hundred data points.
1: Yes. Yes. And, and it's true. I think it it muddies your data when you Mm -hmm. take that many, because you, that's Mm -hmm. how many they were doing with practice and with guidance and with help and not just like they came in from their last class and this is what they could do.
2: Oh, exactly. And muddies the data for two reasons to me. Like one is what you said, right? Like we're doing therapy and good therapy. We're changing our input all the time. That's right. literally our jobs.
1: Right. So right.
2: you cannot do that and do that well, and then also have reliable data. Yeah. The second part to me is, you know, obviously kids get better at the skill as they go through your 30 minute or whatever session. So the more data points you get, the more you're just averaging them out. And so like, it's not surprising that you're going to get 83% accuracy every single session. I mean, it it means so much less when you have that many data points. And what I want to know is when they walk in my room with pretty minimal input from me, like what, what are they doing? And that's Mm -hmm. where I see the most growth over time and most representative of what they're probably doing outside of speech. Exactly. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Well, Kristen, we have Three different lists of questions. Oh dear! We have list A, B, and C, and we ask our guests to pick one of the three: list A, list B, and list C. List C, and we just ask you those questions.
2: Okay, I will do B. B ours.
0: <laughs> okay, you have had a few lists. Our, our
1: most common one, but
0: here lately, I like yeah, it. seems to be. Okay, you ready? Ready. <laughs> brace brace yourself, okay? Would you describe yourself as an introvert or an extrovert?
2: I'm an ambivert, a hundred percent. I'm an outgoing introvert.
0: Good, good, good. We've we've had that answer recently. Um, what's the best compliment you've received?
2: That I am a hard worker.
0: Good. Good. Who has been the most influential person in your life and how did he or she impact you? Oh,
2: that's a good one. Um, Honestly, I would say, oh gosh, this is like super sappy, but I'd see my husband because I feel like he 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 gives me the support I need to kind of go after what I want. And I know that that's not always the case. And it's so easy to have someone, even someone great, who kind of holds you back just because of their personality or something like that. So um, definitely, as far as being where I'm at and having been able to resign my job, I mean, that would not have been possible without kind of a certain personality beside me.
0: Good, good. Awesome. Um, What do people misunderstand most about you?
2: Um, I'm pretty direct and to the point. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. sometimes people think I'm in a bad mood. I, you know, I don't do a ton Mm -hmm. of small talk. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. Like, I don't think people would necessarily describe me as like, super, like, oh my gosh, she's like the kindest, warmest person I know (laughs) meet maybe the first time. (laughs) And I'm totally fine with that.
1: (laughs) you like to get to the point (laughs) yes i'm an
2: if you do like myers-briggs i'm an entj and i read Mm. a like a blog about it once and it says like women entjs are really rare but one of the lines says it's not that you're cold-hearted it's just that (laughs) i was like oh yeah that kind of (laughs) tracks
0: and that's how you know and women get mislabeled yeah Uh, if it was a man it was oh he's he's just being a businessman or he's just Mm -hmm. being serious in his job where a woman gets labeled as being something. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. So it's, it's a double standard. Yeah. What's something surprising that you've learned about yourself?
2: Oh, I definitely have an answer for this one. Um, I did not realize that I was such a creative person until I started diving Mm -hmm. into creating resources for teachers pay teachers. Um, and now most people would describe me as exceptionally creative, but mm-hmm. growing up, I just, I don't know. Other people said, how did you not know that? Like they mm-hmm. thought, but I just did not realize I was creative at all. I think I associated it a lot with art, like painting, you know, and I was yeah. never very good at that kind of thing. And so I thought, oh, I'm, I'm not creative at all. And um, now I can see that that's definitely probably one of like my biggest skills.
0: That's awesome. I like
1: that I like that, and I, I I agree that people usually associate being creative with something that's like visually creative. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But I like Yeah, it. like I can't
2: draw or paint, right. you know, that kind of thing. And so but, I was like, oh, I'm not. Yeah. Uh, and I
1: like that too because I feel like I personally that's something that's held me back from like creating things like on teachers pay teachers. I'm like, well, I don't know how to do the art. I don't know how to draw things. I'm not gonna be able to make things because I I can't draw. But I like that, that you found other ways to be creative with it.
2: Yeah, I think I think for people, and this is gonna I think for people who are intelligent, like I grew up and people being like, you should be a doctor, or you should be a lawyer, which to me are like the antithesis of creativity, which isn't fair. But that was <laughs> mm-hmm. kind of how I perceived it, especially as a child. And so I just never thought, oh, I could be artistic, too.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. I think it's great. and I, And I think, yeah, I think we I think there's probably for most speech pathologists, you know, a laminator in the closet somewhere. <laughs> uh, and we desire to break it out and you yeah. so there's <laughs> that we, we all have that that laminator gene in there to, to pre- creativity mm-hmm. somewhere
2: oh absolutely i had to fill like a hole in one of my pots the other day for my plant and i was like oh yeah i'm gonna get my glue gun i haven't use that thing in my <laughs> <house.">
0: <laughs> oh that's funny um do you have a favorite quote or saying or something that motivates you
2: no, not so much. I did have a little poster in here once that just said love many things. And that, I mean, I don't know that that would inspire me, but it certainly describes me. Oh. Uh, my sister once told me, I wish I was as passionate about anything as you are about everything.
0: <laughs> wow, that's and, that's, cool. that's very
2: much me. I'm like, oh, I, I can like do that. That would be so fun. I'm going to like totally dive into that. And um. Yeah, so that, I, that resonates with me, put it that way. Yeah, yeah.
0: So would you describe her as an op- opposite of you? Um, to, to, to hu- we,
2: we all just went on vacation together. My husband would definitely not describe us as opposites. He would just okay. say where it's like two of us against him all the time. <laughs> but um, in some ways, she's a true introvert. Mm. Um. You know, so there are definitely... Some things that we're very opposite on, but we're very definitely sisters.
1: Yep. My my husband went on vacation with me and my five sisters this summer.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh.
2: And we all Mm. live to tell about it. Oh my gosh.
0: And you're still married to the same man. I know that's impressive. (laughs)
2: That's really, that's really impressive.
0: Um, how do you define success?
2: I think content, contentment, you know, if, if you can, if you can kind of get up in the morning and say, you know, what, this, this feels good, like where I'm, where I'm at now, then I, that, that feels good. I mean, I know in my life, there's certainly been times that I have not felt that way, right. That mm-hmm. I knew something needed to change to, to get to a better spot. And, mm-hmm. um, but then there's sometimes you kind of go, all right, like th- things are working out. Things are good. And and that feels successful. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't really have a benchmark. I probably probably shouldn't have a benchmark, you know. It would always be changing, but, but yeah. Like good. that
0: yeah. Good, good. I like it. Um, <laughs> what's the best advice a mentor ever gave you about work or life? Oh boy, um, that one I don't know.
2: Yeah, I don't, I I can't think of anything for that one. Well, okay. My, no, I
0: don't want to share that one. (laughs) Okay. We do run a family show here, so.
2: (laughs) No, not in that
0: way. (laughs) That's fine.
1: That's fine. You've given us so many tips. <laughs> so that's right. That's there fine. you go.
0: So you this don't get them from one. other
1: people. You just come up with them your, on your yeah. own.
0: <laughs> this next one is 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 really made for you, Kristen. Oh, gosh. Right? Do you have a hack that you've discovered that works well? A hack. A
1: life for, hack. Life hack,
0: kind of- work hack, it doesn't matter. Whatever comes to mind.
2: Um, so what has been working really well for me lately is to set aside time in my evening for family related personal tasks that I would do on my computer, for example. So that might be like purchasing the kids yearbooks or Mm. like adding lunch money to their account. Those things used to just suck up my work day and Mm. I would get to the end of the day and I felt like I was doing stuff all day and I never really accomplished anything. And often it was these family tasks that had to be done. And so we have arranged our schedule now where we each have an hour of personal time in the evening, and that includes the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's my time to, like, we do our budget every week where I, you know, do our transactions or or get the lunch money, that kind of stuff. And I can just keep a little post-it and write it down. And it just it does not pull me away from my workday. So absolutely, to me, the biggest, and I kind of said earlier but just compartmentalizing mm-hmm. things and right. really trying to keep designated times for specific types of things um but pulling the personal stuff out of my work day it was like the single biggest thing i did
0: that's awesome that's a that's a great strategy i like it last one if heaven exists what do you want to hear god say when you arrive at the pearly gates
2: you can rest now, <laughs> <laughs> and a great a good, and some great sushi. <laughs> oh,
0: that's good. That's good. Yeah, that's that's, that's the famous line of you know I'll I'll rest when I die. You know, just keep 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 going. Keep going. Yeah, well,
1: I don't it's, know.
2: It's probably because I'm in the trenches with like young kids right now, but it's just like you know. I mean, it's like you just. No, even in your downtime, you're just always needed. And it's a a good thing in some ways, but it's exhausting.
0: (laughs) It is. It is. I don't have the young ones anymore because they're all grown, but uh, it it is exhausting. Well, Kristen, how can people reach out to you and take advantage of all the wonderful materials that you have available?
2: Yeah. So kiwispeech.com is probably the simplest place to start. Um, You know, my email's on there. the and it kind of direct anywhere you might need to go, but that that's definitely the the simplest and easiest place,
0: okay well Kristen, thank you for joining us and and do come back to see us in the in the near future. <laughs>
2: Thanks for having me
0: well, that was Kristen Bowers of Kiwi speech. do follow her on Instagram and other social media that she has visit her website uh, she has wonderful ideas and different strategies and suggestions and tips that you can apply to telepractice as well as just having a more balanced work-life life life. Uh, that work-life balance we're always seeking so thank you Kristen, for joining us and good luck with everything you're doing and thank you guys for listening to the podcast if you don't mind Tell others about it. Let's get more people subscribed and listening to the podcast. If you could do that for us, that would be wonderful. We would really, really appreciate it. And until next time, be safe and be kind. This has been a production of the 3C Digital Media Network.